Happy summer, Eric. Uh, happy summer, Leo. <laughs> it doesn't look or feel like summer yet. This is July, remember? Right. Probably still true. I'm glad that that asteroid didn't hit the Earth and we all survived. I know. And that big news story that happened. Yeah, the alien invasion scare. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad we made it out. Independence Day, right? So I was just talking to you about how I canceled my Creative Cloud subscription. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in search for alternatives. I've had some really good suggestions. I like the Adobe suite. Don't get me wrong. But one of the problems is it costs so darn much. Yeah, I was shocked to hear how much it costs after you revealed that to me. Yeah. So, like, I, if you do the math, what is that? 50 bucks a month it comes out to. And I feel like I, I don't need this massive piece of software. The other thing I was thinking, too, is, like, they're coming out with a new version of the Mac OS. And, like, they're going to start disabling 32-bit programs. I don't know about you, but I keep getting that thing where it tells me so-and-so isn't optimized. Yep, I've been getting that more and more. Yeah, and I'm like, is it really worth, like, paying for a non-optimized app like this? Like, So there's plenty of, like, Photoshop and Illustrator. Mostly Illustrator, honestly, is what I need more. And, like, the Photoshop stuff, like, you use Canva for our graphics, our beautiful graphics, which, by the way, you should take a look at. Look at your phone right now and... Look at those wonderful graphics that Eric makes every week. Yes. Every other week or whatever for our, our podcast. Thank you, Eric. That's okay, drawings. Because of my uh, naturally beautiful handwriting, I can just quickly write something out, take a picture and slap some uh, auto white balance on it. Call it good. What's that really bad font that people hate? Comic Sans. Well, there's Impact. Comic Sans. Yeah. Impact, of course, has become the official meme font. But anyways. What are you going to try out? Okay, so a lot of people recommend Assemble because what I do as far as vector stuff, so we have like, you know, vector graphics. Mostly it's just taking the already existing vector graphics and mixing them and matching them, honestly. So I looked at Assemble and then I forgot what was the other one that was on uh, Mac and iOS, which is a big deal for me because I would love to use my iPad more for some of that stuff. And Affinity Designer looked really nice because that's both on the iPad and on the Mac. And it's just not worth the 600 bucks. Also, I'm in the market of looking to get a new computer. And part of that inkling, I'm looking at getting an iMac, was looking at like the cost of Final Cut Pro is like 300 bucks, which is a lot of money, but that's still a lot less than paying 1200 for a subscription for two years. Right. That's what it really came down to as well. And part of that is also because. You know, this isn't what you do every single day. You're not at your computer doing graphics and stuff like that for eight hours. And so there's that balance of like how much you're getting out of the amount of money that you're spending on these tools. Considering that there are lots of free and cheap options out there that are good enough, you know, for us, we're looking for good enough. I mean, that's kind of our one of our taglines. Right. I'm a big fan of open source software. So a lot of the things that I use are going to be either the free versions of web-based tools. You already mentioned Canva. For scalar vector graphics, I actually use Inkscape, which runs for free. And the hardest part about Inkscape is that it uses Windows hotkeys instead of Mac hotkeys. Yeah. So I have to use Control-C for copy instead of Command-C, which always throws me off. But once I'm in there, I get used to it quick enough. That's funny you're interested that you do use open source. I think it really depends. I've been... I'd say burnt on open source stuff when it comes to design and media, but like I can't stand the interface for Inkscape and the fact that it just uses its own like window rendering thing on the Mac. It's painful for me to use. Mm. 
typically. So that's why I'm I'm actually interested in using stuff I have to pay for, humorously enough, because if I'm paying for it, at least I know somebody's gonna like maintain it, as opposed to just kind of like being dependent on an open source community that might dwindle or either doesn't have the expertise in like design and graphics. So yeah, I take I go way in the other direction when it comes to that stuff. Okay. I think another value I get out of open source is because it's community focused, there tends to be lots of uh, Q&A on the web. And so any of my basic needs have already been solved by like 100 other people, and I can pretty readily find solutions. Yeah, that's the big thing about having an open source thing is there's a decent community out there. The uh, other thing I was going to say is that what I like is like something like Canva, it's on the web, but like there's this whole thing about seeing stuff on the web and not having to download this massive piece of program that just isn't what you need, if you know what I mean. Because you could just open it up and everything's saved on the web. Like, obviously, if the site goes down, there could be issues and stuff like that. But still, it's better than nothing. It's better than having a download uploaded application that takes forever and constantly needs updating. Something that I get a lot of value out of for uh, web-based tools like Canva is that they are highly, highly constrained. They are usually like minimal features. And I derive a lot of creativity from being constrained in that way. Yeah, you don't accidentally break something. <laughs> That's part of it too. There isn't the, like, I can pretty much do anything I want, but how do I do it? So I don't have to actually go do an internet search for how to do such and such. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, did you see Endgame? I have seen Endgame. Were there any active desktop issues when you went to go see it? Not this time. I was in a different theater, though. Yeah, so... If I remember, Ragnarok was, like, out of town, right? Yep, yep like, that was in Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti, Michigan. Just in case anyone isn't familiar with all of the Michigan cities. <laughs> <laughs> so, that experience went well? Yes, it did. I mean, didn't see it opening weekend. Saw it the weekend after, but the theater was still packed, and there was tons of crowd support. I love, there were, like, so many epic moments where... Like people were just hooting and hollering and like standing up out of their seats. And that just added so much more to the experience. Now I'm curious, I wonder how many of those people are like second timers, right? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we went opening weekend. We went the Friday afternoon after it came out and it was full and it was packed. And yeah, it was enthusiastic, but it wasn't like crazy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just a bunch of like cosplayers and like people who were Super overly enthusiastic to the point where it aggravates you. It's funny because I remember going to see Thor Ragnarok and constantly there was this guy sitting next to me, which was weird because I was on a date, my wife. And like at the beginning of the movie, he would keep asking questions and like saying things like whispering, but still loud enough that I could hear it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no. But luckily he like quieted down and it wasn't too bad. But uh, for this, it was it was fine. It was a good experience. and. Yeah, we had a good time. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> no active desktop issues. Nope. Nope. The theater didn't come crashing down around us or anything like that. When he snapped, whatever, there's like three snaps in the movie, two or three, right? There wasn't like all of a sudden a blue screen of death on the screen because that would have sucked. No. Although now that you say that, there are a lot of memorable moments where I've been watching something and like some kind of technical difficulty happens. And the timing is just in the so, movie or in real life? In real life. Oh, okay. First one that I can remember is The Net, the Sandra Bullock movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during that movie, there was a uh, huge thunderstorm and the power for the theater went out. 
And the timing of that within the movie was just so perfect. It's like, was that planned? Are they like messing with us or something like that? Yeah. Um, Didn't turn out to be the case. Something similar happened with an episode of The Simpsons that I was watching. It was the episode where there was a, uh, the bones of an angel were found in some kind of a dig site. And it turned out to be like a viral advertising type of campaign for some new like grocery store or some like a mega store type of thing. Okay. But when the actual sale, like it was doing this like doomsday countdown type of thing, there were these like weird clues that were happening. When that moment happened, the line got cut at the local cable company. And so the channel just went dead that exact moment. And it was so jarring that it seemed like it had to be part of the programming, but it wasn't. (laughs) And they just stand out in my mind. And I'm just going to be stuck with these things for the rest of my life because they were just, they're not super profound. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff happens, but like I wasn't expecting it. And now I'm just going to be remembering those things for the rest of my life. So when we went to go see, not the last Mission Impossible movie, but the one before that, Rogue Nation, at the end, spoiler, the bad guy gets caught in this glass cage. And in real life, the fire alarm went off at the theater. And it was like, is that happening in the movie? Like everybody, including ourselves, thought it was like happening in the movie. But it ended up being like real life. And so we kind of like missed maybe like the last few few minutes of the movie, which there wasn't much there. But it was like one of those incidents as well, where it's just like the movie in real life. It was kind of confusing what was happening for real. There wasn't a fire or anything. But we ended up getting free tickets out of it. So it worked out in the end. But it was, uh, everybody was like looking around like, wait a second, is that the movie or is that the theater? Like, what's going on? I like the free tickets. Or the net, they just uh, resumed when the power came back on. Oh, that sucked. Yeah. And uh, another one was the sound going in and out 20 years ago when I went to go see Phantom Menace. I remember that. We got free tickets out of that, too. But considering that movie, it was almost an improvement that the sound went out because the dialogue can be so bad. Shall we move our uh, banter into the theme of productivity? Yes. So, Eric, yeah. we're at the middle of the year now. How do you feel? your 2019 has gone so far? So far, actually, I think it's been going really well. So I already talked a little bit about how this is the first year I'm trying to actually write down some of the things that I want to achieve this year, keeping in mind that, you know, they're subject to change and some of them have. However, incorporating those into like a weekly checklist has been working really, really well. We'll see if holistically at the end of the year, taking a step back, it has actually helped me to achieve those goals or if it's just one of those things where, you know, it gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling that I'm doing things when really I'm just keeping busy. But some of them I think are going to offer value, especially things around like health and relationships and those sorts of things. Yeah. I feel like I've been very productive this year, much more than I thought I would be. Part of it is just having some sort of schedule and a to-do list every week. I wouldn't say like a journal per se, but just keeping track of things I want to accomplish that week. What has been a challenge over the last few months has been moving over to pick up more contract work. And that's eaten away at a lot of my time, which is okay. That's a good thing because money is a good, but I haven't completed my main goal, which was pre-selling some sort of educational product of some sort. However, I have two conferences I'm going to be speaking at. 
which is a huge goal for me. I feel like I've accomplished. I'll be uh, speaking over the summer. Where at? One will be in Detroit on June 1st. So that's already been done. And then I will may hopefully it'll be announced by the time this comes out. But I will be speaking in Denver, the end of Denver at the 360 iDev conference. So if you are a Swift developer or interest in iOS development, check those out. But they should be announced by the time this goes up. That's a huge goal. That's like a big accomplishment for me. And I think one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is learning how to stay organized with my to-do list. And we've talked about this even with the podcast here is like being able to delegate tasks and being able to document stuff so that other people can pick up on those tasks. I think you'd agree with that. Yep. Yeah, very much so. So do you still have the goal of creating some kind of an educational package or a course? Something like that by the end yes. of the year? Yes, but I also understand that I'm super busy and this is going to take longer than I thought it was going to, and I'm okay with that. I think that there are definitely things I can do that can make that more successful. And doing it sooner and failing versus waiting a little bit longer, but also ensuring that the chances of success are greater is also good. So I think I'm more with more time, I'm making an effort to make it much more successful in the long term. If that makes sense. I think so. Yeah, I don't know how to articulate that better. I'd like to make sure that you follow up on that maybe in a uh, end of the year or beginning of next year type of episode. Yeah, and I think what I'd like to do is like come up with many goals that are dependent on that being a more long-term goal and getting that accomplished closer to the end of fall, I guess. So how are you doing as far as like health is concerned? Well, definitely compared to the beginning of the year, I'm doing much, much better. At the beginning of the year, I was still in this uh, recovery period from having my gallbladder removed. So my ability to do strenuous exercises was pretty much on lockdown. So I'm now out of that. And I've got something going on every single day, whether it's stretching or cardio or some kind of a uh, mobility or strength chaining type of thing. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Talking about atomic habits, I have a, a habit of doing exercise every day. I'm using streaks to keep track of my habits. And almost every day, I would say in the last six months, I maybe have like missed 10 days where I haven't exercised. But pretty much every day, I'm either working out at the gym or working out at home in some capacity and getting certain minutes and a certain number of calories accomplished every day. And I feel like even with this as busy as I am right now, much more than I was earlier in the year, I've stayed consistent in getting that exercise in. You mentioned um, atomic habits. So if you don't mind me sharing an anecdote from this morning. No, please. So Thursdays, I'm typically doing some kind of a uh, get out and jog or something like that. And I woke up and this doesn't happen to me often because I'm, I've got a pretty good sleep routine by now, but I woke up this morning and I was more tired than when I went to bed. And I was completely shocked by it and just not feeling like getting up. And so this morning was a drag. So I did the bare minimum. I didn't actually jog because I'm also solo parenting this week because my wife's out of town on a business trip. So I kind of used that and it's raining. I just felt tired as excuses not to do it. And then um, Something that I've been trying to do, like incorporate as a new habit is, uh, and this may kind of sound weird, I'm trying to 
incorporate not just like one habit, but two habits through the, what's it called? Habit stacking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the first habit is, I think most people would think it's a, a bad habit of complaining. So I'm trying to complain more and then I'm stat. Wait, you're trying to complain yes, more? to myself. Let me qualify that. Okay, okay. Not just like going out on Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or whatever and just like griping. So like a crazy person muttering to themselves. Right. Okay, no. okay I got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pacing up and down the hallways, just muttering. No, just I'm trying to talk to myself about how I'm feeling, especially when I'm, I'm frustrated or sad or like any kinds of problems are cropping up or things are just seeming a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I can get some practice articulating and thinking through like what's actually going on. Oh, hold on. Are you doing this vocally? Uh, sometimes. Okay. This sounds a lot like I've heard a lot of people do where they like, like morning papers type stuff where it's like, I'm just going to write. And, and Will kind of talked about that in our previous episode where he would like, rather than keeping it like looped in your head, some sort of complaint or grudge, just writing it out and getting it out and then throwing it away. Is it something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's very intentional. So I'm trying to use the cue of like any kind of like big emotional trigger to start griping about it and not think about whether I just have to, um, like, especially this idea that a lot of guys get conditioned to do where we just have to like grin and bear it, or we just have to like suck it up. Like, I want to stop doing that. I actually want to address some of these problems. And sometimes actually a lot of the time right now, because I'm trying to build that habit of figuring out what the actual problems are, they're like really minor types of things. And maybe it's just that I'm, you know, it's, still 6.30 in the morning and I'm just tired. And so I'm a little bit more grumpy. But this morning, bringing it back to the jogging type of thing, I found tons of reasons or excuses to not go out and jog. And then after I dropped my daughter off at school, I was on the way back and I started doing the next step, which is now that I'm complaining about it, like I'm trying to actually turn that into some kind of a positive action. Like, what can I do about it? And I started thinking to myself and talking to myself because I was alone in my truck. Is this really that bad? Like, what's the worst that could happen if I go outside when it's raining and I'm a little bit tired? Like, I can run a mile. I can do, like, something. I can get out and run and it'll be good for me. So, like, all of these excuses are just bunk. I did sleep in. Like, I put off the work, but it allowed me to actually talk to myself and figure out, like, this isn't really that bad of a problem and I can get through this. Okay. The hardest part is just going to be like, when I get home, put my running shoes on. It's really good. Like I found running to be absolutely therapeutic. Now that we're in the uh, warmer season, I'm hoping to get outside more and integrate that into my exercise along with the gym and, and working from home. It brings me back to when I was working at a, a local tech company, we had a retrospective on one of the teams. And retrospective or reflection is where we think back about what's been going on and some of the challenges we faced as a team and what we can try and do different in the next two weeks to try and address some of those issues. And one of the things that came up like probably seven or eight years ago at this point was this idea of complain more and do more. Because a lot of us were finding ourselves just holding in feelings and the frustrations of work. And they would just build up. And then all of a sudden, like someone would just like blow their lid and like they wouldn't storm out. But suddenly bottling up all these things, it just like we weren't able to actually address them when they were minor issues. 
we had to address them when they were big issues. Yeah, I think that's like a real challenge is knowing at what point is it worth complaining about and at what point is something going to pass. I feel like that's the real challenge because you'll feel some sort of like, um, you know, something come up unexpected. That's a challenge. And it's like, okay, is this a pattern? Is this just something I need to forgive? And it's really difficult sometimes to like come up with that and then knowing whether something is going to grow. I almost want to say like, maybe give it two or two times. Like if it happens a second time or a third time, that might be a better opportunity to make that complaint yeah. as opposed to just going at it right away, but also not waiting too long. I don't know who said it, but when you wait it to the point where you're really upset about something, it's already too late in a lot of, well, maybe not too late, but it's an already really difficult challenge to have to bear. Yeah. Now that you say that, it brings me back to another thing that Will uh, Gant in our previous episode about journaling. He said that part of the, the exercise of journaling is to actually go back to some of your previous entries and see what's in there and see if there's anything in common. And that's ex- exactly one of the reasons why like complain more, do more became one of the things we tried so that we gave people an outlet to actually complain. And if we couldn't come up with a solution, we at least had it in our retrospective notes. And so if it happened two or three times, we could actually realize that there's a pattern here. And so that's something that we can prioritize. Um, so I think the like the habit stack of do the complaint, like get it out in some way, and then writing it down in some kind of a, a journal or notes or something like that is especially helpful over longer time frames because then you can actually see when things become a pattern, and that allows you to actually see that something is a bigger, like more pervasive issue, and allow you to prioritize and come up with some positive solutions to it. That's really awesome. Journaling is definitely on my list of things to do. It's almost at a point where I feel like there's a lot of things I should be doing when I get up in the morning to a point where I'm worried that like I'm going to spend the first two hours of my day doing my journaling and getting my exercise and all this stuff. It's like not going to give me much of the day left to do the things I actually have to do. Right. Yeah. It concerned me when Will said that his daily journal when he first started was taking 20 minutes well, and I think his big thing was like, don't take too long. Right. That was his big takeaway, yeah. right? So he adapted from there. So he's spending maybe 10 minutes a month now on it. By the way, hi, Will. Hope you're listening. I'm right now not wanting to commit to writing stuff down and spending the 10 or 20 minutes a day. I'm just trying to actually talk to myself, you know, be that muttering dad who goes up and down the hallway talking about his problems to himself, <laughs> giving myself some space to actually get him out there instead of that idea of like just sucking it up and dealing with it because I don't think that's healthy. So speaking of being a dad, what parenting or relationship things have you run into over the year? Some of the things I've been trying to do with parenting is to read a little bit more. There's some things from my own upbringing where like I don't want to repeat those same sorts of things. And so I, I luckily have the opportunity to actually go and buy some books, read things on the internet, talk to other parents and actually break out of some of those. And um, the hard part is just, I won't know what the actual outcome will be. So I know some things that I want to do different and I can read tons about like alternative ways to instill certain values in a kid, but there's no guarantees that they're going to work. And I've also found that reading it is not the same as doing it. And since I don't have the context of these things being executed in my own upbringing, they're really, really hard. Like encouraging a growth mindset, like being supportive and 
loving all the time, even when I'm frustrated, is something that I'm really having a hard time with. And it takes a lot of energy, but I've been getting better at it. And I like it's something I care so much about. I just don't want to give up. And it takes work, it takes practice. And I mean, it gets so emotional at times. Well, like that's definitely an area where I'm putting a lot of energy into with my daughter this year. Yeah. So she's a kindergarten. She's in a full year, year round school. So she's in kindergarten right now. Okay. When does first grade start? It'll start in August, but we're going to be missing the first week of school. We're going to be on vacation. Okay. So yeah, I've got one. My son's graduated pre-K, which is amazing, of course. And he'll be doing kindergarten. So this is our third kindergartner. And there's definitely going to be some friction, I think, with kindergarten. Just napping. Getting rid of that is going to be a big... Because he, he's a deep sleeper. Let's put it that way. But I think, you know, he's going to be six soon. So I think he's definitely ready for it. I think one of the big things with, like, having as many kids as I have is just getting that, like, routine and getting habits maintained. And it's been really good to see just how much, especially my oldest, how much they've like persevered through like academic challenges and being able to like maintain that after school routine of, okay, pack your lunch, do your homework, clean up the basement, like, and getting that down at first, like there's friction, but once you've done it like enough times, it becomes rote, you know, it's going back to atomic habits. Like they just know what they need to do every day. And like, at first it was like, next thing, you know, kids like playing in the living room. When you get home, it's like, no, no, no. What's our routine? We're going to like pack lunch. We're going to like get our homework started and they like do it. And there's like no complaint, no like friction from it now to where when we first started at the beginning of the school year, it was like, friction almost all the time that like they didn't want to do their homework and they didn't want to do this. So that's been really awesome. I don't know if this is the same sort of friction, but it sounded like a lot of it revolves around some of the morning routines. This is afternoon routines. Morning routines is is a whole other story. Like I talk about delegating. Unfortunately, I feel like I've delegated that to my wife. So she's an amazing woman. I will say that because it is a challenge in the morning, not so much with the big two, but the younger three, like they have no focus whatsoever because they're babies. So that that's always a big challenge in the morning. Just get socks and shoes on, please. Yeah, yeah. They don't. And I'm like, I want to get started on my day. I work from home. And that's always like the friction in the morning is like, either I want to help with something and like, let's get it done. Or I need to get to work because otherwise I'm not doing anything. So, yeah. I ended up um, driving Kira to school day to day instead of getting her on the bus so that she could sleep in an hour. and. Wow, what a big change. Getting an extra hour of sleep for her has just been such an emotional relief for everyone in the house. <laughs> like, why didn't yeah. I do this a year ago? So you're driving her every day, but is she coming home on the bus? Yeah. And Tuesday and Thursday, she'll be at childcare because that's when I've been teaching, although the semester's done now. So probably change that up soon, too. So, anything else you want to talk about before we go through our closing thoughts? Did you have other things you've been working on? No, that's pretty much it. I need to get more organized and get ready to like delegate more and more of what I do. So I think that's pretty much what I've been working on is delegating more of my tasks and hopefully getting that going. And that's pretty much where I'm at. Okay. I think the other one that's kind of important for me is relationships. Something I'm trying this year because my wife's parents are going to be leaving the state and then my best friend is also going to be moving out of the state. And 
it's just going to be one of those things that we've had happen before where people that we care so deeply about and are in like regular contact with suddenly there is a big geographical separation between us. So I'm not going to be able to just swing by on a weekend or in an evening or something or vice versa. And I think like everybody thinks, oh, 2019, you know, you could just FaceTime someone and it's great, but we're never going to be at that point. I feel like I feel so uncomfortable FaceTiming or on the phone. And it like one of the challenges with this podcast is just being able to sit still and have a conversation. Like I'm fidgeting so much. And when I talk on the phone, like I pace, but I'm also like really bad about initiating those kinds of conversations. So with the podcast, it's nice because we have a schedule. Every Thursday we record. And so where I was going with this is I'm actually trying to incorporate some uh, like scheduling and uh, like other ways where I can develop better habits to maintain some of these relationships, um, you know, when people are far away. Because in the past, I've been really, really bad about it. And I feel really guilty about it because I still care about these people. So I'm going to post a link in the notes to Derek Sivers, who, of course, we've talked about on this podcast before. But he uh, talks about how to keep in touch with people. And he kind of is touching on what you're talking about. And I think you just need to regularly schedule like emails or phone calls with people. It's almost like marketing schedule, but it's much more personable. And I think like as much as that seems impersonal to do that, one of my biggest pet peeves is like happy birthdays. Like I feel like when you're after like 21, like do you really need happy birthdays? But at the same time, it like it does kind of matter to people that you remembered or, well, not necessarily remembered their birthday, but you took two minutes to post something on their Facebook page saying happy birthday. It's those little things and just scheduling that stuff out, I think, is so, so important. Even though it feels so formal and not natural, like just scheduling, hey, you know, let's do a phone call next week and just chat. I need to integrate that myself into my life as well, because I... It's easy nowadays to lose those relationships because you try to be so productive all the time. Yeah. And uh, there's this battle that I have internally where I'm a social human. Like, I this should just come naturally. But at the same time, like, it's okay that it doesn't. I haven't been conditioned to manage these long-distance relationships very well over my life. And so it's going to take me finding some way to make it work. And if it is something that seems so nerdy is like scheduling the time. I'm okay with that because I need the practice and I need something that works. And that's more important than like the seeming intent or authenticity of it. And just like doing it on a whim and expecting to just nail it on the first try. And you have to be respectful of other people's time too. So before we close out, uh, I want to ask the audience for any other ideas that they have as far as books we should be reading or things we should be talking about on the podcast. We're always looking for new ideas. Reach out to us on Twitter at OK Productive. We also have a Facebook page and our email works, hopefully. Hello at okproductive.com it does. and Instagram. And reach out to us, OK Productive. And let us know what ideas you have to stay productive. Yeah, and it could be anything. Small tips, like questions, take anything struggles that you want us to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where we're lacking. So before we close out, I wanted to ask you if you found an alternative to Inbox. They did Google Google I.O. recently, which is their like little developer conference. And I heard they dropped something with Nest. You know, this is typical Google behavior of like killing off projects. 
So we've, we're, whatever, four or five months into Inbox being dead. I forgot when they killed it. What Have you found any alternatives in the meanwhile? I started using just the regular Gmail app. And the one thing that I was missing for a long time was being able to snooze. Okay. They have that. Okay, they do have that. So they pretty much integrated a lot of those features into the Gmail web app, it sounds like. Yeah, and a lot of it's customizable. It's not as like their opinions on how you should handle email aren't the same as inbox. However, you can customize a lot of that stuff. And so what I've really ended up doing is just using Gmail and then coming up with a very minimal interface and then configuring it as close to inbox as I could, which means like basically if I get emails that I don't have to deal with this week, I snooze them until next week and then I put them on my task list. Gotcha. So it seems like we differentiate. You use a lot of open source software and web apps. I use a lot of native apps and I pay for stuff. And I have not been super satisfied with the native Apple email client, both on iOS and Mac. And I heard a lot of good things about Spark. And I've been using that. And that has been really awesome. It has templating. It has the ability to delegate email. It can do snoozing and reminders. This is like stuff that I haven't like I haven't done snoozing since I dropped inbox probably a couple of years ago. And I'm not I don't want to abuse snoozing, but I really like this app and how the templating is going to be a huge help for me. And the snoozing, which I, I'm going to use, but I'm going to try to use uh, not too much. We can put a, a link in the show notes. Is it available on Windows? Nope. It's available on Android. So that's good. Okay. It is not available on Windows, though. Android, Windows, and Mac. It is made by Riedel. And I'm sorry for the folks at Riedel if I'm saying that incorrectly. But yeah, I don't think they have a Windows client. I think it's just Android. Mac, iPad, iPhone, and Apple Watch. So, like, you want a powerful email client, I would definitely take a look at this. Delegation, private emails, team emails. This is pretty cool stuff. What is this thing? Delegation. I think, like, if you want somebody to email for you, which is totally something I would be interested in. So, cool. Hope everyone else is having a great summer. And if you ever have... Anything that you want to talk about with your own productivity, feel free to reach out with us. We love when we get check-ins. Yeah, exactly. Reach out to us on social media again, and we will talk to you next time. Take care, Leah. You too.